Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. This is the Fairweather Podcast. We are brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network of written work and podcasts, and we are sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. And as we do every week, um, we check in with each other. Um, Marissa's taking the week off after doing a great job last week uh, with the Women of Western Conference, or Western Conference Women. There you go. Uh, So we're back at it tonight. Chris, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good, Alan. Uh, Thank you so much. Just... uh... You know, just when you think you're 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 seeing the end of the uh, the social distancing uh, stay at home tunnel, they just go ahead and extend it further out for you. So uh, that's that's how that's how I'm doing, man. Right, right. Yeah, we're we're kind of thinking about the end of the year for teaching, and then teachers are already nervous about August. And I was like, hey, like we'll talk about August in like July because we have no idea. Um, and I'm sure um, our guest we have tonight is having some of those similar conversations about uh, where things are now and then trying to make some plans. Um, we have Hector Diaz from Chula Vista FC. How are you doing tonight, Hector? I'm doing good, Alan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And so um, we wanted to bring you on uh, because as a budding USL franchise, um the development Academy is something that some fans might not know about or are aware of, or that San Diego has quite a few, uh, represents the, the San Diego region represents quite a few youth clubs as well, uh, with Chula Vista FC being one of those. Um, so why don't you kind of tell us, uh, who you are and what your role with Chula Vista FC is? Sure. Um, I'm, ha- I really, um, came in in 2010. I came in just as a coach. I coached a very successful age group in the past. Um, and, uh, you know, I was in the Air National Guard. I was there for six years, but I was doing it full time and it was just doing part time. Um, Chula Vista FC brought me out during 2010. It was known as, as a different name, but they brought me on and they said, Hey, you know what? We want to compete in this development academy. I think there's a lot of talent in the South Bay. And, uh, you know, we need to get there. Um, so I decided, you know what, I'll take on this challenge. I like challenges. Um, and and uh, that, that's what happened. So in 2010, I, I took on – we were the largest club in the South Bay with about 54 teams, I think, at the time. But we were a very recommended club with a lot of players, I think, playing up within, it, within the club, two, three ages. Um, and it was how could we become more uh, competitive? Well, first of all, play your own age, play at the highest, uh, you know, competitive level. And um, we were playing at low com- um, levels in pre- within Presidio, our local league. Um, but I, I think uh, we restructured, we changed. There were some people, very good people, um, but people that didn't like the new structure. Uh, obviously, um, you, you know, everyone's. Uh, you know, has their spot in, in the soccer world. And I think there's there's this rec soccer, there's this semi-competitive, which I think the majority are in. And, and then there's other um, competitive environment um, that I think is important. Development Academy was doing an okay job in, in developing. So um, we, we put this goal to get the Development Academy. 
Um, in order to get the Development Academy, we needed a, a coach with a, a license. I had the C at the time. So I go ahead and, and, and schedule out. You know why? I need to get to the A. Um, that way there could be a director that uh, could take on this role and, and, and fulfill this need based on the guidelines that the Development Academy U.S. Soccer are asking of us. So we, we went ahead and did that. Um, I, I, I reached that A license level um, and we got the Development Academy. I, I think in the South, there's been a lot of good talent, but there, there was missing that club that really went all in and tried to um, meet those those standards and those uh, you know guidelines that, that, that were put upon us. Um, I, I don't want to get in, into politics, but in the South Bay, um, our community, especially our Hispanic community, at times always played the racist card. U- U.S. soccer is not allowing us because of this, and, and they try to use that. And, and to be honest, there wasn't anyone in the South Bay that really challenged themselves and stayed in the South Bay. I, I think we had a, a licensed coaches um, that live in the South Bay, but I think because of the financial situation, um, they, they found more lucrative uh, opportunities more towards North County. Um, and I think there wasn't anyone that stayed. So I like the challenge. I ended up leaving the Air National Guard um, because I think it, you know, you can't just take on a challenge like that without going all in. And uh, I went ahead and did that. Um, there's very good people involved. Uh, Hugo Molina brought me in as president and then um, Oscar Samora um, stepped in. Now we have a president, um, Guy Boccia, which, uh, was living in Chula Vista at the time. Um, now he's moved towards uh, La Jolla area, um, but still involved as our president. I think um, he has a, a view of, you know, from the outside in a lot of times in, in our communities. And I think in the in all of San Diego County in America, it, it's parents that run the youth club. And I think what's, what's awesome about Guy is, his two daughters are out to, um, you know, out of the game of soccer. I think they're in lacrosse. One's doing lacrosse in college, and I think he has an outside perspective and 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 non biased approach in, in 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 for our club. And I think there's a lot of good members now that aren't coaches, don't have kids within the club. And I think it's a, it's an important step that we took. And um, our, our coaches too. Uh, I would say ninety percent of them don't. Ha- I mean, a lot of them have kids within the club but not necessarily are their, their coach so um I, I took on this project uh we we joined in the academy with the 2012s um that got aged out last year but we were awarded the u13s um and then this this past year a month and a half before uh they dissolved the academy we were awarded the u14 age group so we were looking and growing into the u19 age groups I think there was a lot of talent in the South Bay that needs to be looked at. Um, we have a player that used to, um, you know, train with the group that I used to be involved coaching. And um, my, my dad was involved in the game and he got me excited, especially as a kid, going and watching them play at local parks. Um, so uh, we have a player, Alejandro Guido, which is playing at LAFC. Um, and, and we have a player that we saw in the field, um, never got to coach him, but, you know, I, I knew um, his family in Paul Riola and is now at D.C. United. So there was a lot of talent in Chula Vista 
Um, from our team, we have five players that eventually got to play in the um, U.S. national team, uh, the youth pool, and eventually went to Brenton, Florida. There was a, a camp there. So I just saw it as a challenge and a need for our community, especially I think because we're so close to the border. The whole San Diego County, there's a big culture of the game. And I think uh, when you see the ratings on TV, I think that's what you see. Um, and, um, you know, we follow really good soccer. And and um, and uh, there's that culture has been there before the MLS even existed. And, and now that the MLS is here, we're hoping, you know, eventually we, we get our own team. So um, that, that I'm the director, so at Chula Vista FC, right now I oversee day-to-day operations. And we do have an adult team, like I said earlier, um, in 2015, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things when we switched over to Chula Vista FC from our previous name, um, one of the things that got me in love with sport, and I wasn't a professional player, was I liked going to the park and seeing adults play soccer, maybe grabbing a taco or, or something, and I enjoyed that atmosphere. That was the atmosphere we had. We, we didn't have the professional game. Um, we didn't have Cholos across the border yet. Um, so that that's what got me to love the game. I, 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 I wanted Sundays. Then eventually it was Thursday or Wednesday nights, and I enjoyed it. Now, it wasn't the best atmosphere. It wasn't very safe. Um, so I wanted to create a safe atmosphere for our, our, our club to be able to, um, you know, enjoy it. And our atmosphere wasn't dangerous, but it's not when when you're leading a club, um, then you have to go and make sure you 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 dial out your eyes and cross all your T's and make sure it's the safest environment possible. So we created an adult team. Um, we try to kind of get them to dream, follow someone, see that you know you could dream on something and and um, achieve stuff. I think the hard part has been is connecting our youth to the adult team as we've lost some players to college or careers. And I think there's a big gap there, but I think what's been, um, you know, we, we have been able to achieve that dream in 2015, 2016, not so well, 2017 again. And this year we were supposed to be in the open cup. The open cup hasn't mm-hmm. been canceled, you know, um, not for world war one, two, not the Spanish flu. And now it looks yes. like um, it might happen. So hopefully not. You guys, you guys drew uh, 1904, right? No, or ASC. No, they have, they have. We, we drew, yeah, we drew ASC. That's the winner the, of that the game. The winner of that game would play versus play the, 1904. That, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know um, I was really looking forward to that whole Open Cup kind of run in from some of those local teams up into 1904 and into Loyal. Like it was, it just would have been way more exciting for the open cup than I think it's been uh, for this region in a minute. Um, you did yeah. mention um, the development Academy a little bit, as far as like the U13, U14. Um, and I was just kind of curious, like before the, uh, they dissolved the development Academy, what was kind of the landscape of kind of moving to that upper echelon of youth soccer? Was it, um, you know, was it purely through the development academy? How big a role did the MLS play, and how big a role did the USL play over the past couple years? Um. So let me let me let me ask the question: Are you saying do do I believe the MLS or the USL might have been involved within the te- with each club growing into older age groups in the academy? 
Uh, what I the question was what was kind of the landscape for like the upper echelon of youth soccer? Um, yeah. Was it primarily focused through the development academy, and what role did MLS teams play like up until yeah. you know the past couple seasons? Where were they in the system? Yeah, so 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 it, it definitely was, um, especially well. I, I want to say on the on the male side, on the boys side. I think on, on the ladies' side, it's it's quite different. I, I think there was a, a league that competed just uh, as long with the, the Development Academy. I think the Development Academy, um, you know, on the boys' side, was here much longer and they had time to develop into that elite league. It, it definitely was. I um, The MLS teams, at, at least locally, your LA Galaxy, your LAFC, were among the top clubs competing in the in in, in the academy actually LAC was a club that came in not too long ago and was really fast recognized as a top club throughout the United States in 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 um in in youth soccer and, and the better players played in in their development academy system so um it, it definitely was an elite um league in comparison to everything else that we have does that answer the question? Yeah, and so um, how big of a deal is it that they got rid of the development academy, or is it kind of a opportunity to transition to something more exciting or different? Like, how big of a role was the DA, and then how big of a deal is it that it? Because it for as an outsider, it's a it's hard to read. Like, I I don't know yeah. how I feel about it right now, but that's yeah. why I wanted to bring you on. And and, and I I will tell you it's um. It, it it's a little you know I, and you could probably notice it from my hesitation um but but it, it no it's really uh in the situation that we don't know um it, it was really good in comparison to what we had before it, it it got us to set uh better standards for all the clubs i think u.s soccer um managed it and at times was maybe too strict in some of their rules and guidelines um, and more flexibility would have been awesome. Um, but also the opposite, before the academy, there was too much flexibility. Mm. And, and too many old clubs, I, I would say, that that um, kept on doing the same thing. And the, the motto wasn't so much developing players, but it was more of a business. Um, and, and I do think a balance would have been better. Um, now, what I call could a, a development academy 2.0, um, what would that look like? Who's in charge? And I think the MLS, rightly so, I think they're the biggest, um, you know, they're going to be the biggest investors in the new league. They have a lot of their academies. All, all, all their teams have, well, most of their teams have an academy, a full academy system. They're fully invested in with staffs. And a lot of these complexes that they built, uh, LAFC, they, they built a really nice complex thinking of um, their youth system as well. So um, how does this new academy shape up? Uh, um, I think that's where we're going to find out. And I, those are the questions that I think me as a director, we're trying to shape and, and help in the opinion. I think we have a little of it. And I think, um, you know, th th this is where we're going to find out if it's going to be better or worse within the next, actually, this whole year, I, I would assume. Now we have the time now. Mm -hmm. to, to organize it right um so i i think they're they are taking advantage 
of the situation, which is unfortunate situation, but but I think they are taking advantage of it. We have the time. Hopefully, um, you know, we, we do it right. And then um, is Chula Vista FC looking into coordinating? Because like, I know you guys are working into the official, like, development academy. Are you now looking out for an MLS franchise or something like a professional franchise to kind of work into? Or um, kind of what's on the landscape uh, for Chula Vista FC specifically? So um, it, you, MLS came out with a memorandum and they reached out to all the non-MLS non -MLS club development academies. Um, and they said, hey, we want all of you to be involved in this new league. Um, so not necessarily do we have to be involved with an MLS uh, team to be playing in, in, in this new league that's going to happen. Um, and they've invited all. Now it's, it's the point where it's who's in. Um, we've already let MLS know that they have our support. We want to be part of this. And uh, now it's, it's all the development academy clubs within the, na the nation, to be honest, to, to pull that support together. I know for a fact that there's 50-plus clubs um, supporting this new league. Now there are some clubs in the limbo. Um, and they're trying to figure out if for their clubs that aren't necessarily affiliated to an MLS or a USL franchise, if their model is to develop the next professional player or try to develop the next college player and college scholarship player. And, and I think that's where I think us as club directors, we have to make a decision. And I, I think that's where we're at right now. And then as far as, sorry, Chris, you want to jump in here? Uh, yeah, I was just going to kind of – I kind of wanted to touch a little bit on the Open Cup. So, I mean, if, if we can continue this conversation, um, Alan. Yeah, I was just going to ask um, about some, like, solidarity payments. Um, if there's no longer, this, like, this, like, top tier that you can get into that isn't directly tied to M. Like, are solidarity payments something that exists? Do you think that this increases the likelihood of some of the, that money coming down or – um, it, it, you know, as directors, um, we, we would always like it. It's a fantasy world, right? Mm -hmm. we, we could get, we could get that. Um, I, I, I will tell you, I, I wrote an article and, mm -hmm. um, I, I think that article, um, touches on a lot of things. I, I don't think the pay to play system is necessarily wrong. And, um, and if someone pays, for me to develop them as a club, I don't feel I need any payments from anywhere else if they go to if they make it pro. So we we've had a couple players that have gone and gone pro, and we definitely have gotten letters from their clubs signing off any right to accept any payments for developing those players. Hmm. Um, I've personally signed that off um, because I don't think we when we already charge registration fees and coaching fees, and that's to develop the player, I think we've already gotten paid. Um, now, saying that, if we develop to a world model where there's a lot of these clubs that do not charge registration fees, um, they're different. They, they have local sponsorships. They have other ways to attract the revenue for the club 
to develop the players, the players themselves don't really pay anything. And then those players end up going pro. Then I think there should be some type of payment um, towards George clubs. Um, I do think that that um, model is a model where uh, the USL kicks in. I'm hoping the USL, um, we, and, and, and this podcast is, is, is a great example. That's why I didn't hesitate to come on. There's enough people supporting these professional teams so they have enough revenue to then invest in the local community and they can develop their own players and offer a professional training environment free of cost. Then you do not limit on which players could participate um, in, in, your, in your academy, and it's really open to anyone. And, and when you open it up to anyone, you could pick the very best. When you have to put a registration fee, you're eliminating some. And, and, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of places in the world, um, we, we've seen that the better players are coming from low-income communities um, where they play and they're, and, and they're very – they're the more offensive players, man. And there's there's really good players that grow up also in the communities that that are not low income. And for some reason, they're the more, um, you know, tactically savvy, organized, maybe players in the back um, of your team. But then that player that you want to be a little creative and and and, and um, you know, it, it's an offensive <laughs> player, and you and you. You seek them in low-income communities, and I think we have a lot of them here in the South Bay. Um, in, in, in communities, I think Chula Vista is best of both worlds. I think towards the east side of Chula Vista, we have some gated communities and a lot of communities which homes close to around a million. And, and then you go on the west side, and definitely on on the south on the south county and the city above us, and then you have a really low-income um, uh, demographics. And I think there's a lot of really good soccer players there. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that I think a lot of people even in San Diego don't realize is Chula Vista isn't just like one thing. It's, you know, a, an ecosystem in and of itself. And those that ecosystem kind of, you know, have, has their, have their own characteristics, much like the city of San Diego does in and of itself, too. Uh, so yeah. it's really great. It's really great to, to, to hear that. Um, we can, can transition over to the, the Open Cup if you would like to, Chris. I know that's kind of a fun one. Um, I know yeah. I'm missing it, but go ahead, Chris. Yeah, it definitely is a fun one. Um, you know, I actually done a little reading up on uh, Chula Vista FC and, and of course, uh, AFC. Um, gosh, like really back in, in January, I was kind of getting ready for the tournament, you know, and, and what I was really impressed with was just that, how the two teams were like each other's rival, you know, and, and the first time they played each other, I believe Chula Vista knocked out AFC, right? And uh, and then also in that, and I'm not sure if that was the same year, but there was a year when Chula Vista FC actually went pretty far in the Open Cup. Yeah, the, the year that we went far is, is was a little before that. That was in 2015. We we actually went and played FC Tucson. Um, we, we, we ended up winning that game by a goal. We were losing 1-0. It seemed like we were getting completely dominated. Um, we had to make some subs. It, it, it wasn't because, uh, you know, that's how I had it planned. It was like we need to do something to spark some type of energy. And, right. and, and the players that, Go ahead. And the players that came in actually allowed us to, to score that goal. And then in overtime, we ended up – Pat, getting past FC Tucson, 
we go to play um, Arizona United, which is now Phoenix Rising. Right. We win 3-0. Um, another score that we, we didn't expect. And unfortunately, I couldn't get, get the game of film, though, or put it live. FC Tucson put it live on, on social media. Not 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 Arizona United, and then we go on to play Sacramento, and um, I think every kid is going to remember that game because it was a very professional environment. Um, congratulations to Sacramento Republic; I, they well deserved the MLS franchise. When we went to Phoenix, there was a, probably about two thousand fans. When we went to Sacramento, even though we were an amateur team, by the end of the game, there was ten thousand fans in that stadium. And it was a surreal environment. I was like, man, if we could get this in San Diego, we don't need MLS. If we could get this, this is awesome. 10,000 fans. And they were there supporting, cheering, yelling the full game. And we, we supposedly started to put a comeback. And it was 5-3 with like 80 at the 81 minute. We were down 5-1. And then they suddenly turned it on. Boom, 6-3, 7-3. Um, but, but it was an awesome environment. And hopefully we can build that for San Diego. Well, and I think that, that that's paramount for a club where you just added a first team, you know, and you're, you know, so now the Open Cup is really this this arena for you to showcase, you know, what your academy, what your club, your first team's about, you know, and ultimately, you know, that's that's has a lasting impression. And then, of course, this year, you know, um, and, and, it, and, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but after – you knocked out ASC. Did you play in the Open Cup once more prior to now? So, no. Um, Sacramento was in 2015. ASC was in 2017. So, we knocked them out. It was the first round. We got matched up. Usually, it's by region. So, we were the only two teams from San Diego. We went on to play LA Wolves, and um, we lost in overtime on the PK. Um, and, uh, and then... Uh, 2020 um, was when we we were supposed to play the Open Cup for the third time. Now, in 2019 and 18, we did play the Open Cup qualifiers, but not the actual tournament itself. Okay. Yeah, you know, I I really did. I I did enjoy the fact that there was a little animosity between the clubs just as far as the matchup goes. Just because, like I said, uh, you know, AFC is like, you know, playing – in these circuits a little bit more and you guys kind of come up and you just, you know, take them out and then you put up a run. So, you know, for us, I mean, like following, you know, a USL championship team, it actually, when you just said, man, if we could just have 10,000 fans, that'd be great. Like that's like refreshing to hear from a club where you're at in the, in the schematic, because, you're willing to just kind of grasp that, you know, in the USL championship, you know, it's almost like every time people see 10,000 people or 15, there's this thought of, oh man, we got to go MLS, you know, and everyone's so hasty to kind of make that shift, but it's nice to kind of hear you just want to enjoy the crowd for what it is without necessarily needing to shift your league property, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I'll I'll tell you in Sacramento, you could tell they enjoyed that moment. You know, it didn't matter they were MLS. Obviously, um, because of the environment, it was probably the others talking about it because it was a great environment. But they really enjoyed that moment. 
it was a, an awesome atmosphere. And, um, and I think local clubs would be surprised. Um, ASC, all respect to them that they've pushed. That, that In 2017, when we played them in the Open Cup, I think they had their club picture night or something. Their side was packed. Um, and, and, and we, we sold it to our, our, our club as well. And our side, which was a bit smaller, um, if you've been to Mission Bay, it was a bit smaller, but it was pretty packed too. And it, it was, it was Mexican Mother's Day, if I remember correctly, <laughs> um, because it was during the week and it was crazy to think that people would come to, from Chula Vista, drive all the way up up there in that type of day that is very mm -hmm. important within the Mexican culture yeah. to watch a game. So, so I think if, if clubs really believed in it and pushed it, I, as ASC did that game, we did obviously, and we had a more local clubs, I think you could really build a really awesome environment for a third and fourth division. And that exists in other places in the world. And unfortunately we don't have it yet. And, and I'm hoping to see it eventually. Um, at, at least in Chula Vista, we're always going to think that way. Yeah, I know exactly. And kind of following up with all that, you know, I thought, man, like if your club can establish itself as even like a USL two team, that would like benefit the club so, so much just because, or, or really get into any league like that, because it's really going to obviously allow you more births into that particular competition, you know what I mean? Without having to necessarily always go for the qualifiers. Cause I mean, obviously you, you took your opportunity and, and made the most of it because you got very, you know, fairly far uh, between the two of you. And so obviously there's the bragging rights that exist. We're particularly happy because you beat, AZ United, which is Phoenix Rising, and we <laughs> there's a team that we like to banter with. It's Phoenix Rising. So anytime we hear about a lower league team beating them or anyone in general, it's typically a good time. So yeah, definitely. And um, and like I said, it's an awesome environment. We we definitely look in, into other professional leagues. I, I think um, the one thing is we have to balance on how do we come up to for the funds. To, to fund a professional franchise, right. and we just need to find the right people because um, as other clubs might do, hey, let's raise the registration fees on the on the youth players and we can fund the adult team. We're not going to do that. The adult team should fund the youth players, and, right. and we need to find the other sources of, av of revenue to be able to do that and do it the right way. So I think that's what's holding us back a little. Hmm. How, how is the growth of the pro – landscape kind of changed how things work in Chula Vista. Like I know with USL opening up league one and having starting to develop their own academies and um, kind of this, this growth of league two, league three soccer as a professional level, like how has that affected kind of not only your recruitment, but also like you have more opportunities for kids to move into a professional setting. Yeah, um, it, I think it depends on the organization, right? Um, we're an organization that we want to see that. That's our end goal. Um, that's our end goal for Chula Vista. Now, we're providing the opportunities right now, um, it, you know, to play at a low cost in comparison to our other, um, 
you know, development academies. It, it, that, that's, that's basically what we feel is right. Um, now saying that, um, our goal, if there's, if there's San Diego loyal that builds a, uh, an academy, a youth academy, they're fulfilling part of our goal. And if there's more clubs that, you know, come into that field and we believe as a club that there's someone already fulfilling that goal, you know, I, I think our mission is accomplished. Um, it, to be honest, um, it doesn't, we don't have to be the, the club that meets that goal. But I, I do think we want to be the ones that provide the opportunity right now that doesn't exist. Um, right. We're very excited. Um, you know, I think there's some clubs where they're, they might not be as excited. But but, but at the end of the day, for example, I'm a big uh, supporter. If San Diego creates a youth academy and it's fully funded, um, they might take two, three players from Chula Vista. Uh, you know, okay. Right. But then they're going to take two, three players from all the clubs within San Diego region. And I think it's going to dilute all the clubs a little. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we'll all be able to compete uh, against each other. Um, you, you know, but we are having our representative to now be able to compete versus maybe the MLS teams. Because to be honest, um, we, as clubs, we might be lucky and have that one representative one year. Um, but but we don't have the consistency because we're, we're charging a registration fee. And um, coaches are awesome. And, and, and coaches, uh, you know, control the team. But at the end of the day, um, I need to have good players to create very dynamic practices. If I don't have them, I can't create those dynamic practices. And, and, um, and you know, the MLS clubs right now that they're fully funded, they do. Then they're able to. And, and I think that makes them better coaches. And eventually it makes them better players and better teams. So it's hard for, I think, our clubs that are charging a registration fee to be the, be able to compete consistently. So, um I don't mind if, 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 if these professional clubs come into our landscape. I, I think we could both survive. I think Chula Vista could continue to provide a, a service um, for the fairly cheap and, and for maybe not that player that is among the top 22 in San Diego in their age group that has the opportunity to play for San Diego Loyal, maybe another professional team in third or fourth division that has a fully funded academy there's going to be the need for those other clubs. And that's why I say both systems to survive the pay to play. And I'm hoping it's less costly and um, the system where it's, you know, fully funded. Yeah. I do want to point out, sorry, Chris, before you, I'll yeah. answer your question. Uh, I do want to point out again, that article that you did write on the Chula Vista FC website. Um, you do make a lot of really good arguments about this and you do point out a lot of those things. Uh, so I encourage uh, those of you who are listening to go give it a read. Uh, and he, he does make a lot of those really great points and, and points out why um, he feels the way he feels about, you know, pay to play about the roles of professional youth academies and why we shouldn't be afraid of having multiple youth academies in an area uh, and multiple pro teams in an area, which I'm going to ask you about um, in a, in a second, but uh, Chris, go ahead. No, uh, we definitely want to make sure that we, we link this article in the uh, show notes. Show notes. Um, yeah, just listening, obviously, really, to you kind of describe it all. I mean, I've definitely witnessed, you know, a landscape where there was a, a USL2 team and then, you know, a championship team comes in and, you know, and there's no sort of cohesion between the two clubs because uh, ownership has a different idea about 
you know, the programs and about, you know, you know, obviously it starts, you start getting into like dollar figures. Like for instance, like if Chula Vista FC is obviously, you know, proven of its opportunities in, in open cup, as well as, you know, what it's doing, you know, during its seasons, you know, and then, you know, they get a chance to sit at a table with say, um, a NISA organization or with, if you will, uh, USL championship, you know, it's like, or even, I guess, yeah, a championship. It's like, you know, where do you see yourself in that? Because you obviously want to make sure that Chula Vista FC, you know, that, that it's worth to you because of the experiences, because of the opportunity, you know, that it balances you know what I mean? That it's not like, because I could I could see how teams would be like, yeah, we'll absorb you, but then yeah. there's not really what you want to happen. It's them just sending their people down, if you will. You know what I mean? And kind of yeah, not really yeah. helping you get fluidity the other way. Yeah, and I I think um, you know I um, I I think it's it's. It's a learning curve uh, for 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 everyone. Uh, I I think we've been here for a while, and, and I think they have to do it the right way. Um, but but I do think that um, for a lot of us, for example, I, I'll give you um, you know my situation. Um, th there was a need within our community to organize administratively and um, and to have a low cost. Um, so. I've spent a lot of time doing that, um, which has also taken away from the time to fully dedicate myself as a professional coach. Um, and if a professional organization like that is going to come in and find the right coach to, you know, to come in that has fully devoted its time, maybe elsewhere in the country to being a really good coach, he might be a better coach than me, you know? Um, because he's he's dedicated that complete time and and he's invested that time, um, you know. And at times within the local community, there's people that are going to take it the wrong way. Um, and and I, I do want to have. I will tell you, I would love to have an opportunity to coach at the professional level. It's I think everyone that gets in the, involved in the game um, has that dream. But based on how our sport and the landscape of the youth sports in our country and how it's organized right now, mm -hmm. you go in and, and then you find there's other needs that need to be covered and, and you kind of change and, and it takes away the, from the time to develop at, as a coach. Right. Um, I, I, I would love, for example, if a professional organization came in that has the funds to organize administratively to have the opportunity to, 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 um, to, to win a spot um, and, and pr make your prove and, and be influential in the decision makings at least right, and still yeah. have a spot within the club. But, but, but I think at the end of the time, um, we, we have to be realistic, take a step back and notice, like I, I had a, an article um, that I wrote and I touched on, on the point and someone made another point that I disagreed. Um, when I left the Air Force uh, and I was working there full time and then I was drilling on air, on one weekend per month, but it basically united two weeks. So basically it was seven days the weekend and then another five days. 
So you had like 14 days straight where you didn't have a day off. Right. So I, I, I'm, I love our country and, and, I, and that's why I joined the military to begin with. But I had to make a decision. And in order to do the soccer thing right, I had to leave that. Right. And to be honest, the salary was not bad. But I had to leave that and, and go into the sport. And I couldn't just, um, you know, I had, I had to go all in. I, I had right. to go for that licensing. I had to be able to provide what our club needed. So I, I think um, when, when a lot of the coaches, you know, want to do both, at least it happens in our community. A lot of our coaches aren't full-time. Um, right. they're, they have their full-time job, and this is a part-time passion after work. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they don't have the full-time to really um, advance in their career as actual professional coaches. So mm-hmm. when a San Diego Loyal, these professional organizations come, and they seek these professional coaches, um, and a lot of times they bring them from the outside, other places in the world, right. they will and might have more experience than us because they fully dedicated their lives into the sport while we've done it part-time. And, and I think we as a society, also as a group of coaches, we, we need to understand that. Um, I will tell you the last you know, course that we took from the Federation was awesome. I, I think the, the, the new courses that the Federation's um, you know, put out and they're like 10, we used to get a national license in 10 days. We just at the tenth day, you know, you, you you took a test and they told you you were a good enough coach or you weren't. Now it takes um ten months. About they come to your society and the thing is, when the course is over, at least for me, I was like, man, I really need to go in all in on this because you're left with more questions. And I think it's good. I, I yeah. really think it's good. Well, and I think just like you were you were kind of talking about is like, you know, I mean. Really, if you can just be, I mean, if if you can continue to develop your organization and continue to just put forth players that are going to be sought out, you know, by these professional organizations, I mean, obviously it's going to give you guys, you know, the sort of um, sort of reputation, you know what I mean, for for more things to come in for. Uh, the community obviously to want to get behind you because I can't imagine being in a setting where there are, you know, more than ten competing clubs at a level, and then all of a sudden you got a, a nineteen oh four and a San Diego Loyal, and I mean, typically this USL Championship clubs after year one are starting to think about developing, you know, a academy or high performance program, whatever they call it. They're typically tapping into the high schools you know, and trying to create this little, hey, we want to train your high school athletes at a premium, no cost to them, basically just kind of a scholarship thing, if you will. But that model looks like what is like the, obviously, origins of their USLA, right, more or less. Yeah, and and I will tell you, um, I welcome a youth academy and professional academies and within all the levels of professional. Um, and it, at least that's our stand from, 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 from Chula Vista. I guess, I guess what I'm saying Hector for the most part is like, I'm an, I'm an enthusiast that supports what you do. Right. So I support like from the ground up sort of development. Like I'm all about it. 
And so when I see, you know, a big club come in and their initial push, which San Diego Loyal's initial pushes have been, hey, we support San Diego soccer. You know, they've made a campaign to like be it a lot of things and and sort of draw these alliances out there. You know, I just hope that along with that comes how do we preserve the Hectors and Chula Vista FCs and not, oh, well, we're just going to create our own versions and squash it out. Because like I said, I'm an enthusiast of the ground up model. And I think that a club like San Diego Loyal can only benefit from y'all staying in business, doing what you do, because you've already been the ones to create soccer in the land for a while to be able to have that team have interest to be there. Do you know what I mean? Completely agree, Chris, but I, I, I maybe I don't want to, I don't want to, it's because the thing where I'm going is I think they could do a, a better job um, than we can, even though we've done an awesome job. I, we cannot do it free of charge. Let's say in the 15, you 17, you 20. So I, I, I think loyals coming in and saying, you know, there's a lot of youth clubs that are doing real good. We want to support that. But I also want them to understand that there is a gap to fill. And some youth clubs might not say it. You'd have to, they'd have to buy your program out. They'd have to, they would, they would have to be, I mean, the business of it is that the money would have to come to your club. I would, I would think because if they're just basically drafting out and y'all can't sustain without financials, you know what I mean? It's like, they got to kind of look at, Hey, we, we want Hector and them to still be doing this. So we need to send, the financials down to preserve that way. I guess that's my thought process. Is that kind of what we're? No, no. And I understand what you're saying. At the end of the day, um, you know, I don't really. I guess my my family's in business. Um, we run. Uh, my family is in the family um, restaurant business. Um, and I grew up with uh, seeing how businesses are run. Um, saying that. Um, I understand uh, to start up a business, there's a huge investment. Right. Um, I don't think, I think San Diego Loyal's ownership group is providing a huge investment. And um, I, I don't, I want them to continue providing that investment if it's building a youth program and not necessarily am I seeking them to provide anything. Now, if 10 years down the line, they're a very successful franchise, I'm hoping they remember. Um, <laughs> but, but, but to be honest... Or build a stadium unless you play in it. They already train in Chula Vista, built a little small training facility, but at the end of the day, maybe we can rent it out to be our home stadium, and we don't have to pay, play in a stadium with 10,000. But we could play in the, you know, we could play in the stadium in their training stadium where it sits maybe a thousand, a thousand five hundred. That that'd be ideal. That that it cuts, that, fee, that, it cuts that, the fee yeah. out, right? It cuts some yeah. fees out, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's those things that I think a San Diego loyal can do is that they can so they can minimize your costs 
and still perpetuate your program. And, and that would be awesome if, if they could do that. Um, but I do want them to to build that, like, like I said, Youth Academy. I want to make sure that they know that there's support from, I, I would say, the majority of the clubs in San Diego. Yeah. Not all. But but there is a, a support from the majority because at the end of the day, let me tell you, if they take two three players. A lot of times, Chris, those are two three players. I already scholarship. Yeah, we're not losing money. You know, we're honestly not losing money, and most likely the players are going to pick up from other clubs are are players at those other clubs scholarship as well. So 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 necessarily, what they're going to be doing now is scholarshiping the full team. And those kids are going to be put in a better environment. So financially, I don't think it affects us much. Yeah. Um, now, if they could provide something else like that, that would professionalize our club even more. So maybe we could continue developing more players and those players maybe that um, were overseen. Um, that would be awesome. Well, it's just like you said at the beginning of this conversation. There are, there are players in the MLS that, you know, kind of came up through these sort of things. So – for you to basically have alumni that go on, I mean, these are going to be your players that come back and do clinics and draw more interest, you know, from area kids, you know. So yeah. I think I think you definitely got there. There's definitely a seed planted and a whole lot of water and sunlight on it, you know. Yeah, no, and and I completely agree with you. It's just a balance. I, I also don't want th- those teams to think that they have to put a lot of money into it um, because at the end of the day, there's a lot of clubs out there um, and some other fellow directors. And I disagree and respectfully, they're really good at some things, but it's just an opinion. I disagree. Um, and, and I do think that sometimes we ask, it's always about money. And I think the better, we're not losing a lot of money here. We're actually giving up a player that we used to scholarship. So um, I, I think the player is the, at the end of the day, the one that benefits I have a quick hitter for you. Hit is this it. the death? Is this the death of uh, homegrown territories? Do we see that go away? Um, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting because um, there, there's some territories definitely that are going to start overlapping, um, especially if you start including the USL franchises, and uh, I know. You should. I think you should. I think um, I, I go to other places in the world and and um, and try to see what they do successful. I, and I think that's what, at the end of the day, U.S. does really well, right? After during World Wars, we got the best scientists from other countries, and it really propelled us to be a, a superpower. And I think we continue doing that, um, right? Um, so I think that our new staff in the coaching department is is people from other places in the world. Um, so, you know, where I'm going with that is in in small country like Spain that, that I've gone and I've seen how they're organized, you have in a small area so many clubs and you have maybe two, three professional clubs and the rest are non-professional clubs and they're all competing with each other. And... Um, I think it takes a balance. I, I, and I always come back to the word balance because I think the small clubs understands they're Barcelona. If we have a good player, we want to push them up. 
And, and I, I think, you know, there's that respect between clubs. And it's just, I think, years and years of working with each other. And we don't have that. We're, we're barely starting up new clubs mm-hmm. within our, our environments. And I think it's going to take us a while before we we, we, we create that working relationship. And um, I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping to go away. But, but I also see a little the benefit at times for them. I, I'm just hoping we could be more, do things on the professional clubs and, and the youth clubs do what's right, ethically right, and push right. players towards the better environment. Yeah. And you'd have like cities like Madrid or London, like, all right, we get these three neighborhoods, you get these three neighborhoods. It's like, I, I, I do think looking toward Europe and pulling what works, obviously, you know, there's the benefit of smaller countries where the everything, a lot of things are centra- more centralized. And, but that doesn't mean like, I think in your article, you talk about like California in and of itself could have its own full ecosystem of soccer from a fully top league, all just in California, just California. And I think it's something that I know that we want to be pragmatic with soccer because it is kind of one of the lower tier sports and what people watch. But when you really have an opportunity to think, look like sit down and look at the big picture is why don't we start with pie in the sky? Why don't we start with, we could have this, like what do we need to do now to work toward that? So there is these bigger ecosystems where a city of San Diego can support an MLS and a USL and a, you know, a NISA and a really vibrant youth club system because each of those fits a specific need to a specific kid and eventually a specific pro. Like there's some pros that are going to be in MLS. There's some pros that aren't going to be able to make MLS in their USL. They're not going to make USL. They're in a league one or they're in a NISA or, you know, they're the kid that's, you know, U20 that might not make it to pro, but maybe he's looking for a, a college scholarship down the line or getting ready or that doesn't happen. So he wants to still play competitive soccer. Like there's needs to be spaces for everybody. And those things can exist in San Diego by itself. Um, so I, I, I'm excited to kind of see that growth and where Chula Vista, um, fits into that system. Um, I do have, we do want to ask you a couple of fun questions, I think. Um, what's your, what's your go-to quarantine, like dinner? Like if either one that you can knock out of the park or one that you just like, this is what I would want right now. Like, what are you making and what are you hoping for? (laughs) So, um, when the quarantine uh, happened, uh, I thought, oh, this is really bad. Um, I'm going to gain a lot of weight. So I actually, my dinners have been um, Nutrisystem. I got on a diet. Um, I've lost, actually, in the quarantine, um, I would say probably around 18 pounds. Um, wow. But, um, I think I think some of those rifted up the freeway and ended up in city heights. Cause I think I picked up a couple. So congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 um, I'm trying not to think of, uh, uh, food, but if, if, if you know, you, you're always missing that miss out going to the place and, um, you know, being, uh, from, you know, Mexican, I, I really miss carna, good carnaza, really good carnaza. I think, uh, I miss that. Um, so that would probably be the the first thing I would probably go out and get. So I know Tacos El Gordo gets a lot of love down there. Is that like, is that like folks not Chula Vista? We're like, we're gonna go there, or is that like, 
Where, where's your taco spot? I guess is what I'm asking. You, you know what? Um, tacos de gordo is actually good. It, it depends which taco you want. If you're craving, right. I, I think the Alabado tacos there are good. And what's crazy is I think tacos del gordo in Chula Vista is much better than tacos del gordo in Tijuana. Huh. Um, if I go to TJ, I don't go to tacos del gordo. There's a lot of places that are a lot better. Um, but I, I don't know why. Um, I think the quality of the product in Chula Vista is better than the one in, in, in Tijuana. But in Tijuana, if I would go to tacos, which is not that far away from us, I would probably go to Tacos El Frank, which are really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Sholos podcast would always veer into, like, food. Like, inevitably, every third or fourth podcast. We do it every week. We just always veer into food. It always, like, yeah. that's where we end up. I mean, Chris and I are both chubby chubby fellas who enjoy uh, our food. So we always, oh. right, we always end up there. So I know yeah. that's one that, hey, know that's one that you recommended a lot. Right, I'm like I, I was I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, the first time I've eaten vegetables on this uh, on this whole uh, quarantine was yesterday, and they tasted really good. I was like, all right, I'm gonna start adding green beans to things now. <laughs> yeah, oh, so nice. um, I do want to I do want to thank you for your time. Um, it's been great getting a chance to chat with you, pick your brain a little bit, get educated a little bit in the development Academy and things in the youth system. Uh, is there anything you want to share with the listening audience, um, either about yourself or Chula Vista FC? No, um, not, 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 not about Chula Vista. Not, not about, um, I just hope, uh, those, those, uh, families seeking, you know, for their kids maybe to join the game um, just to do your homework um you, you know um ask the right questions um and i think it's important um you know because for now it's a huge investment to play soccer to play the game and um you know there's a lot of really good clubs and chula vista fc uh, you know i think is one of them but there's a lot of clubs that are really really good and and are better than us in in you know, in some areas. Um, but I think there's also some of those clubs that um, are charging fees and not necessarily are very professional. Um, so I, I, I really hope that the parents um, support the game, um, but do their homework. Uh, and uh, I do hope they support podcasts like yourselves. I do hope they support the US, our USL franchise as much as possible. I think I've made it more than the parent to our club. Um, anytime we get a message from San Diego Loyal, I forward it to them. And I think it's important to be involved in in, profession, in this professional franchise, which I think will make the whole landscape of the game much better, including on the youth side. Um, so, you know, thank you for what you guys do, Chris and Alan. And um, hopefully, uh, you know, those uh, – Likes and followers keep on adding up. Yeah, I, I just really want to, like I said, throw out a big thanks to you just because, you know, in the time that I spent researching your club, you know, just for we were, you know, for this other podcast that I run, I was doing like an open cup special and we were, you know, giving quite a bit of attention to the early rounds, you know, so to be able to, to actually talk to, uh, you know, one of the people behind the scenes. Uh, definitely has well shaped 
my horizon. So hopefully Open Cup will happen and to be cheering for you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm hoping to. And more importantly, I think the, the, the players are hoping, you know, for a lot of them, it's, it's their opportunity to, they continue to dream. And, you know, to have that one good game versus one of these professional franchise, be it um, ASC San Diego, but then maybe um, 1904. And if we're, if we're, it happens to be like the magical run in 2015, we might be playing San Diego in the third round, you know, and a lot of these kids would, 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 um, dream about that so yeah um, hopefully it happens right getting to see your name and per- performance on espn i mean come on that's a like every sports kid's dream is to to see your name put on a, a graphic on an espn broadcast um, oh, oh yeah definitely uh you can find chula vista fc at uh on the interwebs at chula vista um do you have any social medias or anything you want to plug hector uh, they can follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Same thing, Chula Vista FC. And um, uh, Twitter is definitely more towards our adult team, I, I think, which is fun and it's more unique. Um, but our youth program, which is another competitor to a lot of youth programs out there, um, is mostly on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Well, support your local soccer club, and that means supporting youth soccer as well because that's where the players you watch today came from. Uh, Chris, where can we find you? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at by Chris Walker, as well as Instagram. And you can kind of see what I'm up to during this uh, quarantine on my Instagram. You know, you, you just never know what silly thing I might have just bought or what, what food I'm cooking at 2 in the morning. So, And you can find me at a Underwood 48. There'll be a, uh, announcements coming out soon because uh, I've officially signed with the EUSL League through USL Memes. Uh, so I will be playing some competitive FIFA. Um, I believe I have a game against Andrew Faciliatis coming up. Uh, we have to reschedule. Uh, so I'll be posting about that, putting it on Twitch. Apparently I have a Twitch now because I'm figuring those things out. Uh, so I'm excited to join the EUSL League and playing some uh, playing some FIFA to keep ourselves entertained. Um, so for Chris... Um, for Marissa, who is t- getting the night off for a mental break from the two of us. Um, and we want to thank Hector for giving us a lot of his time. Uh, thank you guys for stopping by tonight or checking it out on the podcast. Uh, Till next week. See you guys later. The Fairweather Podcast is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find other podcasts on bgn.fm. The Fairweather Podcast is also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club? Sunday League Squad, Adult, or even Pro Team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.